Hello, I'm Jerry Hancock for Men in Balance Radio, and today we'll be interviewing Dr. Jody Seymour, Senior Pastor of Davidson United Methodist Church. We'll be talking about couples counseling and the things that go on in couples counseling and how that might apply to your life. First, Jody, welcome. Thank you for being here. Great to be here, Jerry. Um, maybe the first question to start off with is when couples come to you with issues, what are the big ticket items they typically are wrestling with? Well, Jerry, most of the time it centers around uh, differences in expectations. Uh, couples get married, and oftentimes they, you know, they love each other. Uh, then, of course, things start changing in terms of uh, just life cycles, and then they realize, or either don't realize, that they, although they thought their expectations levels were the same, they are often very different. And that often is around uh, three classic issues. Uh, intimacy, mutually shared goals, and family of origin issues. Yeah, well, those are the big ones, aren't they? Well, you mentioned uh, mission. Do the, do you typically suggest that they develop a mission statement for their marriage? Well, what I listen first, the first thing about marriage counseling actually is truly listening right. uh, and trying to find out if there is a core value system or mission statement, as you call it. Oftentimes they think there is, but there's not, or there's two different ones. And and uh, I'm assuming this can happen innocently enough, but it's, it starts to sound like maybe one couple has an agenda and the other has a different agenda, but, but it's, I mean, there's no malice intended there. It just happens, right? Yeah. Uh, people, well, the way I put it is uh, if a couple's not careful, and, and, you know, I've gone through this, and Betsy and I both learned, my wife, that you the first days of marriage is kind of that you know that intimacy and and then all of a sudden you put things on cruise control mm. and the old joke i've i've often said is that you know the guy that bear, uh, buys the uh, leisure van and it's got everything on it and uh the guy said he sells it and he drives drives off the lot and about an hour later it comes back being towed behind a tow truck and the guy's got bandaged on him because he's injured who bought the tr- uh, the uh vehicle and and he walks up to the salesman and says i want my I want my uh, money back. And he says, what's the matter? He said, well, it didn't work. He said, what do you mean? He said, well, you, you told me it had cruise control, so I put it on cruise control, and I went in the back to get a cup of coffee because it was one of those big vans. <laughs> well, you know, that's that's sort of what we do with marriage. We put it on cruise control and then wonder why it wrecks. Yeah, yeah. Um, what do you find are the typical issues that men bring to a counseling session as opposed to women? Well, the classic thing that that it just comes up all the time Men think they're the provider, and uh, women, of course, tend lean toward more communication, intimacy, spending time. And what happens is, oftentimes, a woman—not not oftentimes, but sometimes—a woman won't make real clear expectations and think the man ought to know it. Hmm. The man thinks he's doing fine in the marriage covenant or contract or whatever, is if he's providing a nice home. He works hard to bring home the money. Uh, he co- maybe comes home tired. Uh, maybe he doesn't want to talk. Or right, um, right. and so what you run into is he, a man thinks he's fulfilling his role if he's providing for his family. Period. And a woman oftentimes ha- wants that too, but she wants the more that comes with that. Right. So, so that's 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 kind of general, but it's big. Well, but but that seems to be even more the case today than it would have been maybe twenty five years ago. I mean, twenty five years ago, that model might have actually worked mm-hmm. in a lot of marriages, right? Yeah, yeah. So so there's increased expectations on the part of men. Um, 
And also, I, I find this, and maybe you can react to this, I find that men feel that they want to um, create a higher standard of living for their family, but the cost of doing that is being away from the family more, and they're already getting criticized for doing that. Is that your experience? Yeah, we're, we're getting done in by uh, increased expectations of lifestyle when things are sometimes shrinking. And uh, so, you know, some at some point, and I do would deal with this a lot, you sort of have to say, okay, gang, you really you need to stop and think about what really is valuable because you may not be able to have both valuable things. I mean, if value is all the stuff, uh, and value is time and quality time. Uh, with the way things are shaping up, you may not ha- be able to have both those. So, which one's most valuable? Mm. So, it may mean making less money or having a less less of a home. But some people don't, you know. See, what happens is we don't want to hear that. We want right. both. Yeah, yeah. Um, we've already talked a little bit about what women are expecting in counseling. But uh, what other issues would you say besides the communication and the presence of their men? What else do they mm-hmm. need? Well, I think communication is a big thing. Uh, also, I think one thing that happens that's, that's both with women and men, there's this sort of myth that you get married and you stay the same. That you, I know you, you know, maybe we date a long time or we've known each other, and so I really know you. And what people don't understand is that we change in life cycle change. We change hormonally. We, we, we're, we change in terms of some of our expectations change. And so that is true of women a little more than it's true of men. Uh, women are classically have a body change that they're aware of. Men do too, but it's more obvious with women. And so I, I deal with couples, uh, and it's sort of like they don't know that. And, and, and one thing is we get too familiar with each other. Mm. And we assume, you know, the old joke is we assume too much. And... Uh, and that's both true of men and women. Just uh, assumptions, uh, familiarity becomes a veil so that you think you're talking to each other, but you're talking past each other. So so how can we avoid that? I mean, uh, obviously we're all going to change as time goes on, um, but it does always seem to catch us by surprise. I mean, that the other person is also changing, and mm-hmm. we want them to be to be just what they were. Yeah, yeah. Well, one thing I do uh, sometimes to is... There's an old expression that says, uh, well, I use it in uh, all kind of things, in the, in the thing, I, a personality system I teach called the Enneagram, and I use T.S. Eliot's expression where he says, we shall not cease from exploring, and in our exploring we shall come back to the place from which we started and know it for the first time. So oftentimes with couples who've been married a while, I, help them, I try to help them go back to the starting point, which is who they are, are individually. Because generally, not always, I'd say 70 to 80% of the time at least, couples who marry are different. They're not the same. They, you know, there's a complementary, uh, complementary view of marriage in which we find that person which complements what's missing in us. And that's generally true. You know, opposites attract yeah, that kind yeah. of thing. Well, if that's true, then we're different. So what's happening in marriage when there's conflict or difference in expectations Part of it is we think it's the other person's issue when, in fact, it starts with our view of reality. So what I try to help people do sometimes, is, and sometimes I use the Enneagram personality system, to help them come back to who they are and how they see life before they ever uh, check out how the other person is uh, acting because they're seeing life another way. So it's almost like 
you know, these two people get married, and they've got they've created this marriage, but it's almost like they need to go back to the time they got married and maybe remember a little bit of, well, why did you get married? Mm-hmm. And then remember, do you remember that you really are different? You see what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 Um, I hear from women that they want their men to be willing to be vulnerable. But mm-hmm. that word actually scares a lot of men. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's not a pleasant word for men. It's not something we're socialized to do is be vulnerable. What does that mean to you in a marriage? What, yeah. Well, one of, the, one of the biggest things I deal with with men is helping them understand that it's a that is really okay to be appropriately vulnerable because most men know if they stop that they they do they are vulnerable mm-hmm. they just cover it up and you pay a price when you cover up uh, issues of vulnerability when you try to be too strong uh, it it takes a lot of psychic energy also we don't a man for instance uh, you almost have to do this with a man apart from a, a spouse first and that is. Okay, let's, in the confines of, I'm a guy, you're a guy, let's talk about what vulnerability means to you. Right. Before you ever expose it, what does it mean to you? Because what men have to understand is that we're vulnerable in different ways. And, and they may hear the word vulnerable and think something that they can never be, when in fact, maybe vulnerable just means being a little more open. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned earlier about the um, family of origin and its influence, and I'm mm-hmm. thinking when you when you talk about vulnerability in this light, that uh, the only model a lot of us men have seen is the model our father exhibited, and mm-hmm. if he uh, if he seemed vulnerable, he just pedaled harder to be tough, you know. So mm-hmm. is that the model that we need what? to break free from, or what is that? Well, the classic thing, which is a little too overgeneralized, is that we either adapt the patterns of our, our like our father or we're going to sure enough not be that way we go the opposite d- direction and the truth is somewhere along the line we have to stop and say okay what did what was my father like and then am i being that way do i want to be that way or am i trying to be different and then then there has to be a moment and and we all need this somewhere where we stop and say i'm not my daddy mm. i'm me and uh and so, so has know, that given us given ourselves permission to be different? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and uh, the word I use is appropriate vulnerability because when men hear vulnerable, they think you're right. They get fr- afraid. They think it's stripping naked. Someone's going to find out something about me. I don't want them to know. Right. But it's appropriate vulnerability. It right. doesn't mean uh, one of my favorite expressions is there's a difference between being transparent and naked. Mm. Yeah. And in a good relationship. <clears throat> Uh, there needs to be appropriate transparency. There doesn't have to be complete nakedness, although in, in marriage, of course, we're, we're literally naked. But at the same time, there's a part of me that's allowed to just be with me. And uh, I have to decide how I share that. And so it doesn't mean you give up complete control. I often tell people who get married, when Jesus used the, the expression, the two shall become one flesh, that's a nice poetic image, and it has its... It has its meaning, but it doesn't mean that you completely lose your individuality. You share your individuality. Um, I read a statistic recently that said that Christian couples tend to divorce more often than the general population. And by the way, I, uh, Methodists were less than the Presbyterians, if that's of any Oh, value. that's good. That's good. Make sure that gets on the radio, Jerry. <laughs> yeah. But uh, do you agree, first of all, that that's a case? And why, could that, why would that likely be? Well, the, the, the statistic, uh, one of the most prominent research companies is called Barner Research, which does a lot of uh, uh, 
statistical data about this kind of thing. Uh, there's a little bit of confusing because one of the things Barna did that you heard about is it's, uh, the expression is born-again Christians divorce as much or more than mm. not born-again Christians. Well, first of all, as you probably know, born-again Christian is a uh, kind of a subset of Christians. Uh, but here's, here's what I, uh, when I thought about this, when you told me you were going to interview me, I, I realized I tell people who are getting married, being in a church will not keep you from being divorced. But it can help if you let it. And here's what I mean by that. The reason uh, the skeptic would say, well, you know, going to church doesn't do any good for a marriage. Well, that can be true if you just go to church and you don't let the church help you with your marriage. Going to church doesn't do anything magical for a marriage. And here's why. It's, it's the classic thing of compartmentalization. That, you know, the way it gets translated is a bunch of hypocrites go to church. Well, okay, what that really means is if you're going to church, is going to church doing anything to your life? So if it's not, it shouldn't be surprised that Christians divorce as much as anybody else because a church and a faith walk can help your marriage if it's a faith walk and not just church going. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, that's a good, that's a good point and mm -hmm. a good distinction. Um, <clears throat> a lot of men resist going to counseling in the first place, and mm -hmm. so I'm just thinking out loud here. Maybe uh, if you could walk through what the steps you would use in a beginning counseling relationship with a couple so that it would be a little less threatening to men, what, what exactly should they expect? Yeah, well, let me uh, do a precursor with that by saying when I do premarital counseling, I get two promises from couples. Now, of course, they can lie to the preacher. <laughs> but here's what I get. I say, and if you want a Christian pastor to marry you, then uh, getting married in a Christian church is nothing magical, doesn't impress God. It doesn't make for a Christian wedding. So are you going to promise me that once you walk down the aisle in this church ceremony, are you going to go back to your life and find a faith community in which to enact your marriage? Because if you're not, you might as well get married by justice of the peace. So they usually promise me they will. But the second one is in light of what you're saying, and that is, here's my other promise. If one of you ever says to the other, I think we need to get some help in our marriage, the other person has to go. Hmm. And the reason I say that is what you just asked me, and because and usually it's the man who won't go. And a man won't go for all kind of reasons. You mentioned vulnerability. Uh, men tend not to talk, want to talk about their feelings as much. It brings up fear. It makes them feel inadequate. Another thing is the man is usually the one that talks about they don't want to spend the money on it. Hmm. And that's when I confront them. If I get them in there, I say, well, do you spend any money on your car? Have you spent any money no. on your toilet lately? I mean, what's well, but, more But important? they also think they ought to be able to fix it themselves, right? Just like Oh, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Control. Yeah. Uh, so. they, it, to go to someone else and talk about your marriage is not only vulnerability. It's, it's failure. It's the admission that I, I can't fix it. Right. Yeah. So, uh, so how do we get around that? I mean, guys are uh, certainly tough enough when they, uh, and, and they sometimes react by even being tougher when they're threatened. So how mm -hmm. do we, how do we get past that so we can get some progress? Well, here's the deal. Since you're asking me, by the time they come to me, mm. there's already something going on and they know it. Yeah. So oftentimes when they come to a pastor uh, and, and you're talking about men, I'm not sure what they're expecting if they think I'm going to pray with them or preach at them. But what I tend to do is to say to them, you know, I, I really talk, try, try to talk man talk to them. Like, do you care about this? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and uh, 
And if you're, if you don't want to do this, uh, then I remind them, I said, well, okay, let me, let me do a little, you did, you promised God you would do this. Now, maybe you didn't know it when you said it, but uh, if you want some tough talk, you stood for a bunch of people in, in front of God. And basically what God said to you that day was, I love you, but I don't trust you. And so we, we break our promises. We, uh, and, and also I tell men and, and men kind of resonate with this. You did not know what you were doing when you got married. You may have thought you did, but you didn't, because I learned in my marriage counseling class that nobody knows what they're doing when they get married. And so you learn things, and there's surprises, and, you know, you, fi you, you fix other things in your life. And if, if you haven't been able to fix this, it's time to go to somebody. You go to a mechanic. Mm -hmm. you, get, you call somebody for your computer. What's more important, your car, your computer, or your marriage? Yeah. And so basically what I try to say, Jerry, in a creative way is it's time to get over it. Yeah. Um, one last question. In, okay. in terms of getting some ongoing spirituality in the marriage itself mm -hmm. uh, between these two people, any pointers there that uh, what helps mm -hmm. with that? Well, the first thing, uh, if people bring that up, is kind of what I talked about earlier. People hear the word spiritual and it's kind of like a blanket. And what I, what I help couples do is understand they're not supposed to be the same kind of spiritual. In fact, they probably are different. Men's spirituality is generally different than women's anyway. Plus, the subset of that is a man and a, a person, two people, their spiritual path, they're, they're probably two different personalities. Mm -hmm. you know, in my Enneagram thing, I, there's nine kinds of personalities. Okay, if we use that as a model, let's say you've got somebody who's a two on the uh, type and a, some, someone who's a four. Their spiritual, spirituality beginning point is different. So the first thing I try to get couples to do, if they won't, if they won't uh, for some reason have spirituality in their marriage, is to first of all respect and understand the differences in their, in their own spirituality. Then what they can do is rather than try to put that in a blender and hit whip and make it together, what you do is if you want to have shared spirituality, you first learn about your own and then you share it. So, so for instance, let's say you want to do devotionals and one person likes silence, and the other person likes music or readings. Well, one day you do silence, and the next day you do a reading. I mean, so mm -hmm. that's kind of a small example, but yeah, my point yeah. is... I, it's I got to work for both people. Yeah, and, and spiritual paths, because we get married, you still have two different spiritual paths that you share. Well, our time is up, but okay. I do appreciate your coming and talking to us about couples counseling. I think that's always a topic that... Uh, is going to come up in any marriage, and mm -hmm. it certainly is a topic that uh, men get concerned about. So I wanted to make sure we talked about uh, some of the issues around that. You've been listening to an interview with Dr. Jody Seymour, senior pastor at Davidson United Methodist Church, on the subject of couples counseling. Listen for some other interviews later on spiritual counseling and men in counseling specifically. Jody, thanks again for being here. Glad to be here, Jerry. You're listening to Men in Balance Radio.